Amen. Please remain standing if you are able, and let's turn once again to 2 Corinthians 9, page 968 in the Blue Pew Bible. 2 Corinthians 9. We'll read verses 6 through 15. Hear God's holy word. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Excuse me, lost my place. To be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. Last Sunday we talked... uh, about the, the duty of the giving uh, of tithes and offerings. But to just say that we ought to uh, give is one thing. To speak about the duty is one thing. It's another thing for us to believe in the wonderful benefits that we receive from God when we commit to giving to Him and the work of his kingdom. And when we commit to living um, a a giving lifestyle in general, there are many blessings that come from that kind of living. Tithing and giving in other ways should not be thought of as a, a, a burdensome duty. Rather, it is a blessing. It's a channel of divine blessing through us 
and to us. By living this way, in a generous and giving way, you will be a great blessing to others, the church of God, and you will receive great blessing as well. You will receive far more than you give. We looked at this passage, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, briefly uh, last week. Paul's using that image, uh, beautiful image from agriculture, and he's using it to encourage believers in Christ uh, to engage in generous giving. The image, of course, is that of planting, planting seeds. If you go out and you plant seeds, uh, whether you're a professional farmer or you're a backyard gardener, uh, you probably know how this works. If you plant uh, just a few seeds, you will not have a, a huge harvest. You'll have a small harvest. You'll reap what you sow. You'll only reap in proportion to the amount of seed that you've sown. That's what he's saying here. If you've planted just a a tiny amount, you're only going to get a tiny harvest. But the opposite is also true. If you plant a very generous amount of seed, well, you can expect a very generous, happy harvest in the end. And of course, Paul's using this imagery of the farmer to say something uh, very important about the Christian life and about Christian stewardship. He's encouraging us with, uh, with some strong encouragement here to, to give generously so that we can receive abundant blessing. Isn't that interesting? When you give, you receive. As Christians, we can expect God to bless us and be rich toward us as we're rich toward Him in our giving to the needs of His church. Now, of course, this teaching has been twisted badly by the prosperity teachers and preachers. Uh, I think we probably have some right here in this city who are very good at peddling that prosperity gospel. They turn this very beautiful scriptural principle into a formula for getting rich. They say things like, send $1,000 into my ministry, and by the end of the month, God will bless you tenfold. If you watch these guys on TV, you know I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly the kind of thing they say. But that is a distortion of this scriptural teaching. It is true, this principle God gives, that you will reap what you sow. But our motives should not be selfish in that. Our motives should not be giving in order to get. The reality is this is just God's ordinary plan for Christian living, this part of our lives. And it's also his plan for providing for his children and making us a blessing to his church and to his people. There's actually something being said here about how God provides for us. 
And here is where this makes absolutely no sense to um, the person who is an unbeliever, who doesn't have the Holy Spirit illuminating their mind, giving them the mind of Christ. The believer has the ability to think God's thoughts, to hear these, these uh, truths from Scripture and actually believe them and say, yeah, that, that, that's how it is. But the unbeliever sees this and just thinks, nonsense. This is, this is crazy. I'm not going to give my money away. He thinks if he lets go of 10% of his income or whatever amount it may be, he's just throwing money down the drain. It's mine. I earned it. Why would I give it away? It'll just be gone. I'll never get anything in return. So the unbeliever can't imagine anything more foolish than committing to a lifestyle of giving and committing to financially uh, giving tithes and offerings and uh, other forms of giving, giving in service and helping others. You know, this is a temptation that we face as well. Believers face that same kind of temptation to be miserly in the way that we give financially or otherwise. And that's why faith in God and his word is so important. We need faith in God and what he says about these things, about giving. Giving to the work of God's kingdom is not loss. Just the opposite. It is gain. Giving to God, Paul says here, is a way of having all that you need. Giving in a committed, regular, generous way, tithing, even going beyond the tithe as you're able, uh, is not foolish, it's wise. It's the wise way of the Lord. It's the wisest choice for us. It's uh, the wisest first principle of handling the money the Lord gives to us. For one, it's obedience to God. And God has said, he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And verse 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you have all sufficiency in all things at all times and that you may abound in every good work. Here God's explaining what this, this sowing and reaping is all about and how it will work. We don't live in a world without God. The unbeliever would think of these things and, and think there's no God who's going to turn this around and going to uh, return blessing to me when I give. But this is God's world. And we are his people and this is his purpose, his plan for us. There is a God and he has spoken these things. He's made this promise to provide sufficiently for you, believer, as you give generously to his work. And so you don't have to think in an unbelieving way. You don't have to think that you're going to be losing anything when you give to God. It's never like that. It's never lost. Your tithes, your offerings are an investment in God's kingdom, God's eternal kingdom. 
things of this world are passing away. They're not going to last. God's kingdom lasts forever. And it will be built up. His plan is for it to be built up through the giving and service of his people. And he tells us we are storing up treasure in heaven when we adopt this lifestyle. So in that sense, this kind of giving, far from being foolish, it is foolproof. It's the most foolproof investment that you can make as a believer. It's the only one that will last. And not only that, it's a good investment not only for eternity, but for your life in the here and now. Because God says here that he is able to bless you and sustain you and provide what you need so that you can continue to be a blessing and have all your needs met. Now the prosperity teachers try to twist this into a, an unqualified get-rich guarantee. If you give generously to God, then God has to give generously to you. He has to make you rich. That's such a, such a terrible uh, distortion and manipulation of people. But that isn't what this is saying. It's not a guarantee that God is going to make you rich. It's a guarantee of God's power and his ability and his intention to provide for his people. God has all power. He has all sufficiency. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is able to bless you however much he chooses. There's no guarantee that it's going to be the way you choose. He might choose to bless you in great abundance, but he might not. Often, I think the promise in Scripture that we need to bank on is that he will give us enough. He'll give us our daily bread. And enough is enough. We should be content with enough. And he promises here that we can have enough, not only to barely scrape by, but to be able to abound in good works. He's able to provide sufficiently for you in those ways so that you can be a blessing to his church, to others who are in need, whatever the case may be. I think Paul's teaching here is, is echoing the Old Testament passage in Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord said through Malachi, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God's saying the same thing there as Paul, by God's Spirit, is saying here in 2 Corinthians. It's this beautiful, amazing statement that God is making. He's challenging us. He's challenging his people to trust him. He even says, test me. Put me to the test and see. Yeah. 
In one sense, we should never test God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus knew that he shouldn't jump off the pinnacle of the temple uh, and uh, see if the angels would come and uh, prevent him from getting hurt, as the devil tempted him to do. You don't put the Lord your God to the test in that way. But God here tells us, put him to the test in this other way. He's saying, believe in me. Trust in me. He was saying to the people there in Malachi's day, do you think that you can't afford to tithe? Well, test me and see how I can provide for you when you obey me in this, when you give generously. He was saying, test me by trusting me and obeying, committing yourself to giving the whole tithe. And we need to test the Lord in that way as well. You know, it may take, and you, it does take, uh, adjustment to your budget to give, give this way. It takes some restructuring of your life. It takes sacrifice. It, it involves sacrifice. You could use that money for other things, your, your mind might tell you. It is sacrifice. But then again, sacrifice is at the heart of worship. And all our giving to the Lord is to be worship. It is an act of worship when we give to the Lord. But God's saying here, make that commitment, make that sacrifice, honor me this way, and I will show you how I can take care of you. Now, the thing the Lord is putting his finger on here is how money can have the central focus in our lives. It can become an idol that we value too much. It can become a thing that we worship. And this is how we put that potential idol in its proper place. We determine to put God first. Worship Him and Him only, and even worship Him through the giving of the first fruits, uh, the giving of the, uh, the best of our uh, sustenance, right off the top. Again, as I said last week, that's, that's what I recommend. Uh, give to the Lord first before you even give anything to yourself or to your bills or whatever your expenses may be. Right off the top, give, determine to give uh, generously, cheerfully, sacrificially to the Lord. Determine to live on what is left. I had a professor in seminary who, uh, he just enjoyed trying to give as much as he could and live on as little as possible. And he encouraged us to think that way as well. We need to say, Lord, I worship you with these offerings. I trust you to use them for your glory and to take care of me and my family and bless us as you see fit. When you test the Lord in this good way, you're doing what he's told you to do, and he will show his faithfulness. He will show his ability 
to bless you and take care of you. Again, if you're thinking you can't afford to do this, it's worth remembering. It's worth remembering that God told the people of Israel that they were robbing him when they did not give the full tithe. And more importantly than that, you'll be denying God's power, God's faithfulness. Those are the issues that he highlights here. The person who does that is saying, Lord, I don't believe that you'll take care of me. I don't trust in you to provide for me. So I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do what you've asked. Well, that's, that's how the unbeliever would think of it. I need to keep it all. I need to store up uh, as much as I can so that I can be secured against the, uh, the, the, the dangers of this life, the, the potential things that could come along. But that kind of thinking is, is not for us. That's backwards thinking for the believer. You are in a relationship with this wonderful, great, faithful God. All things are His, and He is yours. He's your Father in heaven. He's your Creator. He is 100% faithful and trustworthy. And that's what He's calling you to believe when He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Trust in Me. Give generously and cheerfully, and I'll take care of you. He's calling us to trust in him. I know many of you have seen God's faithfulness just poured out on you over the years as you've been a faithful giver. Um, I'm so glad that's been the case in this church. I rarely talk about these things, and there's really rarely any need to do that. We're uh, we have such a, a faithful bunch of people giving faithfully to the work of the Lord. And you've seen that in your lives. You've seen how the Lord cares for you, even though you do this, even though you give to Him uh, generously. You've seen that He hasn't let you down. You've seen how He cares for you, sustains you, provides for you. Sometimes He provides more income. Other times... Maybe he stretches your dollars. Maybe he uh, enables you to find um, ways to save money. Maybe he stretches the life of your clothing. You think of that passage in the Old Testament where the Israelites, their sandals didn't wear out all those years in the wilderness. Maybe your car, your car needs repairs, and at just the right time, the Lord provides for that need. I remember times like that in my life where bills were due. I couldn't continue to go to school uh, unless I was able to pay uh, a certain amount. And on exactly the day that I needed that money, it was provided. The Lord is very good. He's so faithful. He's real. I think that's the kind of dynamic the Lord is is promising there in Malachi 3. And Paul, again, uh, re-emphasizing it. The Lord's saying, test me. Trust me. That passage in Malachi is, is, is wonderful in what it says, the way it puts it. I will rebuke the devourer for you. 
so that it will not destroy the fruit of your soil. The picture of uh, just swarms of locusts being beaten back and sent away by the Lord. They could come and eat the, all the crops and just destroy them. People's uh, sustenance would be destroyed. The Lord says, I'll take care of that. And your vine in the field will not fail to bear, says the Lord. This beautiful imagery, the Lord promising to protect and to provide for us. And behind this is all a call to trust in him and to not worry. Such a great God. Not only does he comfort us with uh, these promises, uh, he, he wants us to have peace in knowing what a good and faithful God we have. He's able to supply and sustain us. But who's to say that these promises can't work in the opposite way for the person who refuses to be uh, the giver that the Lord is calling us to be? If God's able to bless those who give generously and He can also withhold blessing from the one who refuses to give to him. If he's able to rebuke the devourer, he could also let the locusts come and eat your crops uh, and dry up your vine. In our day, that might mean things don't go well with your job or your savings or your investments or your home value your health, boy, we see things just going wild in all these different areas these days. Any number of unforeseen circumstances can eat away at your earthly security, the things that you would tend to trust in in this life instead of the Lord. The Lord wants you to see that those things are not your security. He is your security. And he controls all those other things. The God who calls you to tithe and give generously is in full control of all those details of your life and your finances, the things that could harm you. He's the one who is able to bless you and sustain you or to withhold blessing. He's given us very sound Advice, financial advice, if you will, here. He tells us, handle your money my way. Give to me first, generously, cheerfully, and trust me to make all grace abound to you so that you may have all sufficiency in all things at all times. A great promise. But again, this is a matter of faith. Can you see this is just really entirely a matter of faith? You need faith to believe these things and to give this way and to act on these things God is saying. And in that sense, giving is like any other good work for the Christian. You're not saved by your works, but you're saved by God's grace Four good works. Good works are the evidence of living faith. 
The works are the fruit that come forth from the root of faith. In the same way, tithing and, and giving generously to the Lord doesn't win favor from God for you, but it demonstrates that God has created real faith in your life, in your heart. Giving generously is one of those good works that shows that your faith is real, that it's living, that it's active. The unbeliever doesn't have that. He hoards uh, money because he doesn't know this great, faithful God who is able to make all grace abound to him. But you do know him, believer. And because of that, you can believe his words and you can act on them and give generously and cheerfully because you know him. You know he's faithful. You know he's ever with you. You know he loves you and takes care of you. Hebrews 13.5 is a beautiful little passage that I was thinking about this morning. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And this is possible, the writer of Hebrews says, because God has promised, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. such a great promise. That's the heart of what we need to be resting in. We are secure in this relationship that we have with the Lord through Jesus Christ. We have him. He is ours and we are his. He is our greatest treasure and we are safe and secure in him. Believe that. Enjoy it. Really rest in it. That truth will set you free to love the Lord more and to be free from the love of money. But I want to encourage you to believe these promises that we've been talking about. That's what this issue of tithing really boils down to, believing. And it comes to this. Will you trust in him? Ask ourselves that question. Will I trust in the Lord? You're going to be tempted to doubt the Lord. You're going to be tempted probably all your life, maybe more intensely at some times than others, you'll be tempted to think, will God really take care of me? Am I going to really believe and trust in him to do that? You'll be tempted to think that you can't trust him and that you can't afford to give generously to him. But those are lies. And you have an opportunity to reject the lies and to demonstrate your trust in the Lord. And your faith will be strengthened as you exercise it in that way, as you take those steps of faith to give faithfully and generously to the work of God's kingdom. But don't think that way just about money. We've been talking about money. We've been talking about giving of, uh, financially. But 
we're, we're at the end here. I'm not going to say much more, but don't think just about money in this respect. The same principles apply to the way we should think about the giving of our time, the giving uh, and using of our abilities to serve the Lord and to bless others and to bless his church. The church has many needs. You're just thinking about the church in particular. Um, in most churches, there are always too few people doing too much of the work. Uh, I don't know if, of any church that's not like that. <laughs> uh, and it's easy for us to think, man, I've got so much going on in my own life. I have so much to do, uh, so busy. I don't really have time to serve in other ways. But, you know, the Lord gave each of his people gifts. Gifts for the building up of the body of Christ for the edification of the saints, for meeting the needs uh, of the church. He designed us to be these, this kind of people, people who serve, people who give, serving, giving people. And, you know, we're not going to be spiritually healthy if we're not embracing that kind of lifestyle, that kind of servant mindset. We're made for that. We're wired for that once we come to Christ, once we're regenerated by the Spirit. And the church needs all its people to be doing that, to be thinking that way, to be servant-hearted people. So please pray that the Lord will give you the energy, the grace that you need to be that kind of person, and that all God's people would be that way, cheerful giving, servant-hearted saints. And as you do embrace this generous, serving, giving lifestyle, I would encourage you to think about it as a lifestyle, you will see how the Lord keeps his commitment to give back to you, to provide for you, to sustain you. You won't run short your cup will run over. Paul said, my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And he said, he's able to make all grace abound to you. Awesome promises. And of course, he's already made his grace abound to you in such an awesome way, by forgiving all your sins and clothing you in Jesus Christ's perfect, everlasting righteousness. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you because Jesus bore that forsakenness himself on the cross that we deserve. We don't ever have to suffer that. Nothing can ever separate you from his love. So if he has already taken care of that infinitely greater matter of your salvation, surely you and I can trust him in the far lesser matters of our earthly needs.
he will make his grace abound to you in those things also. Let's, let's trust in him. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, we praise you for um, the wisdom of your word. We thank you for taking care of us as your beloved children. Uh, Lord, we're so weak in faith. We pray that you would open our eyes and, and strengthen our hearts, strengthen our faith, so that we would believe um, continually that you are uh, utterly faithful to us. And you've laid down these principles in your word that show us your will and also um, that will strengthen our faith as we walk in them. Uh, they're designed to do that. They're designed to teach us to, to rely upon you and not on ourselves. And that is so important in this life. We are so prone to fall back and trusting in ourselves, trusting in the flesh instead of trusting in you. So give us grace, Lord. Um, direct our minds in these things. Give us grace to trust in you fully and above all, to continue always to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, our great Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.